Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The Volume. It's the Colin Coward Podcast presented by FanDuel. The sports calendar is packed. No better place to get in on the action than FanDuel. So many sports right now. NBA, College Hoops, March Madness, PGA Tour. App is safe, secure, easy to use. They've got exclusive offers, boosts, all that stuff this month on FanDuel. And when you win, you get paid fast. So jump into the action. They have live betting. You can combine multiple bets, same game and a same game parlay. Try out same game parlay plus. Start making every moment more and download the FanDuel app today. 21 plus in select states. FanDuel's offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG. Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Virginia. 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342, Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat connecticut 1-800-9-WITH-IT indiana 1-800-522-4700 visit ksgamblinghelp.com kansas 1-877-770-STOP louisiana call 1-800-327-5050 or visit www.ma underscore helpline.org slash problem gambling visit www.mdgamblinghelp.org maryland 1-877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text HOPE-NEW-YORK 467-369-NEW-YORK 1-800-522-4700-WYOMING or visit www.1800gambler.net, West Virginia. Nick Kahn, my friend and former agent, stops by the volume today. From a practicing attorney to a mega agent, to now the CEO of a public company, WWE. SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles, the site for WrestleMania, April 1st and 2nd. The biggest stars will be there, and Nick Khan joins us. So WrestleMania goes Hollywood, uh, Saturday, Sunday at SoFi. Uh, Spectacular venue, a spectacular venue. Roman Reigns takes on Cody Rhodes, Brock Lesnar, uh, John Cena, the amazing Charlotte Flair, and others. So there are events weekly. Uh, this is your Super Bowl. This this is it. Uh, is it stressful for Vince, for you, for the performers? Do you, do you does it feel different? Well, look, I'll tell you this. I can't speak to being a performer. Obviously, it's not what I do. But going out in front of seventy five thousand fans a night, or whatever it might be. I remember hearing a story from Sugar Ray Leonard years ago. He said, there's nothing like a ring walk. He said, you got 75,000, 50,000 people cheering for you, cheering your name. I get into the ring and I'd say to myself, holy shit, I actually have to fight, (laughs) which I always thought was funny. Uh, But for us, I think WWE is a well-oiled machine. We have almost a thousand employees. Everyone's focus is on WrestleMania. So it's no more stressful than any other week at WWE. So not that it's a playbook, uh, but when you first came to WWE, you did things that you and I had privately discussed for years about my business, which is play the hits. You know, the top five to 10 percent of any business um, are going to be your most dynamic revenue producers. So you have really 
zoned in on your Brock Lesnar's, John Cena, Charlotte Flair has never had a bigger profile. Roman Reigns, you even you've elevated that. So is that easy? It, it's what you did in your career. So was that on your note card of things to do when you became, you know, the CEO? Was that one or were there things that I don't notice that a non WWE diehard um, wouldn't notice that you had to work on? Or was the system and, and the platform pretty solid and it just needed tweaking? So I think a couple of things. The, I learned, play the hits and part I learned from you. So if you look at your content on your daily show, it's some version of NFL, NFL, NBA, LeBron, big story of the day. Right. It's not, and we had this conversation on day one of your show, it's not, let's put on this personality from baseball who's only known in a local market. We don't need to mention any names. Right. Right. It's play the hits. What does the audience want to see? So I think the way that Vince and team built WWE was if you get a John Cena, if you get a Rock, if you get a Roman Reigns, showcase them. And if you showcase them, as long as you can build opponents consistently and there's not just one person carrying the load, as big as Roman is, all of the other superstars that you mentioned, they all carry a lot of stroke in our company. They all have big voices. So for all of those people to be on display over a two-night event at WrestleMania this coming weekend, we think it might give us a winning hand. So you've always had good instincts when you were an agent. Um, and then you go to WWE, and instead of dealing with high-maintenance people like me... You're not high-maintenance, <laughs> but go ahead. Yeah. You're dealing with a billionaire who had created something revolutionary, uh, transcendent. Uh, and with that comes its own challenges. Was it um, the, the transition from representing sportscasters? Now, you had big names, Herb Street names, to now um, working alongside Vince McMahon. Was the first six months, nine months, a year? Was it difficult? Was it, you take me, what, how would you describe it? So I, I'll ask you a question back and then I'll answer your question. When we worked together and I had the good fortune of being your agent, do you feel that I worked for you or that you worked for me? Well, it, we, it was symbiotic. I thought we worked. It was a great partnership. But at the end of the day, my belief as an agent is that I worked for you. That's how I set it up in my mind. And yes, a great partnership. Typically, you don't feel that, oh, I just worked for this guy and this, that. It was never that way with you. But I always looked at it that way. And I always thought to myself, if I could help to deliver the goods to you, then you in return would extend the partnership and pay me commensurately or pay the agency commensurately. I took the same approach with Vince, had the good fortune of starting to represent WWE in their media rights ventures. So got to know him, got to know Triple H, Kevin Dunn, all the other good folks at WWE. So I had a really good glimpse of the company from the outside looking in. So when I started, I took the same approach. There was only one boss, Vince. So I'd certainly try to get his buy-in on material things. It's no different than a client. If you have a differing point of view, you and I would talk about it in private. Yeah. And when we'd come out of the room, we, we were bonded. That was our position. It wasn't a, hey, guys, bad news. Colin doesn't agree with me. So this is what we're going to do. You had your point of view. I had my point of view. You ultimately got to make the decision. Once you made the decision, it became our decision. And I think I took the same approach to WWE. The creative side. How much impact, I would imagine substantial, did Vince have on creative? And was he willing to let you early on tweak or give strong opinions on the creative side? 
I really haven't had much to do with creative. So certainly the talent deals I'm across, all the venue deals and all those things. Vince obviously created the entire company, but I think what he set up was a system in place with Triple H, with a gentleman named Bruce Prichard, where the company could keep going creatively and keep thriving, even if one day Vince obviously knew he would leave the earth at some right. point, as we all will. I think the best organizations are set up so if one person, even the founder leaves, the organization keeps moving. And I think what you saw over the last six months or so was that creative continued to thrive, ratings continued to thrive, relevancy continued to thrive, but all credit to Vince for setting it up that way. You talked about platforms earlier. It's so fluid. The media, um, you know, streaming was obviously what Uber was to taxis. It was a total disruptor to linear television. Sure. And so you have this entertainment company. This is going to be on Peacock streaming, mm -hmm. right? Which is just continues to grow. I mean, it seems like a natural transition to Hollywood. But do you think there's something right now either being created or that's been created that you're going to pivot to? Like, you're, I know you. You're not going to stop here. Growth is the name of the game. There's always some other way to get John Cena Charlotte Flair, Roman Reigns, name out there. Is, is there an unexplored platform or direction for WWE? I think something that we're focused on, first of all, you're coming off of some of your highest ratings of all time, right? And that's while the ratings for overall cable television and broadcast right. are down. Right. Part of that is certainly you and your team. Part of it is also the proliferation of sports gambling. Yes. Where even for a game that was once a dud, you have <laughs> more. Right. Are they going to cover? To totally. Right. Are they going to cover? Right. So it's whenever you see a ratings increase like that, it's usually a confluence of events. Similar with your show. Again, you have the product, but it just so happens that yep. sports gambling is, is moving in the direction it's moving. I think for WWE, we're really happy where the business side of the business is but certainly there's room for growth. The one area that we haven't tapped into yet that we will be tapping into is our intellectual property. So if you think back 20 years, it, what before Disney bought Marvel, Marvel had to beg for distribution of its movies. It's why Sony still has a piece of Spider-Man, which is obviously a Marvel property. It's why Comcast still has a piece of the Incredible Hulk because those enterprises helped distribute those movies years ago. You then saw Hasbro do it. Uh, an executive named Brian Goldner, who unfortunately passed away a year or so ago, really took Transformers and some other Hasbro properties into feature films. And you saw the reward on that. So for us, with a vast intellectual property that WWE owns 98% of, for characters like The Undertaker or Andre the Giant or Big John Stud, yeah. those are things that we want to get into in short order. What would surprise me? about the demographics of the WWE audience? 40% of our audience are women. 50% of the folks who attend our live events attend with a child. There hasn't been a fight in our stands, not jinxing it, in over 15 years. So what was the Harlem Globetrotters family-friendly environment when you and I were much younger is now the WWE family-friendly environment where people come with their children, it's safe, it's fun, it's PG programming, and people tend to like it even more live than they do on TV. And people seem to love it on TV. Roman Reigns, uh, I felt when you initially got to the company, um, it needed tweaking. I thought, has the look, has the body, has the presence. 
but he does feel today more popular than like three years ago. That's my interpretation. Sure. I would be called a casual, Yeah, I but that's my interpretation. You look at the ratings. Is that right? And what happened? I think what happened. So when I joined the company was at the height of COVID, even pre-vaccine, yeah. you know, COVID. So we never missed a week of TV. We shot out of Florida. Our producers, our writers, our talent all put their lives on the line to make sure that that could happen and that we could deliver the product to our fans. Really grateful for that. Roman, who has had bouts with leukemia, had to take a moment off because of the height of COVID. Obviously, with that pre-existing condition, he had to you know, catch his breath and make sure he didn't put himself into jeopardy. When he came back, he came back, as we refer to as a monster heel, a bad guy, if you will. What I found, and I think what fans would tell you, is that typically the best performers are the ones who act like themselves, but amplified. And by the way, Roman's a lovely guy, great guy, but he's sort of the handsome guy who played football. I'm sure when he was younger, prior to being married, did a nice job on the dating scene. <laughs> you know, he's sort of that guy. Yeah. So that's who he is as a character, but amplified. If you look at Dwayne Johnson, John Cena, same things, versions, different versions of the same thing. They were themselves, but amplified. And I think that's what's really worked for Rome. The Nikki Glazer Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glazer Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glazer Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. 
and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James! LeBron James! And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Charlotte Flair feels to me... um, like the most popular woman ever in the sport. Is that true? She's big. She, she's as, as big as it gets. And, you know, one thing, one of the many things that I admire about Charlotte, if you look at Ric Flair, obviously she's the child of a really successful performer. Right. And she's a grinder. Grinder. And I think what happened was because, you know, in that generation, I think Flair's sons thought that they would be the next great wrestlers. And his daughter, Charlotte, real name, Ashley, was sort of overlooked. So she had to almost prove herself more than she would have had to prove herself had she not been Ric Flair's daughter. She puts in the work. And you know the drill. Yeah. The the key to even having a chance at success, you got to put in the work. Yeah. You got to grind. gives you a shot. What percentage of your time is spent with Wall Street, is spent with Vince, is spent on television production, scheduling? A significant amount with Wall Street, significant amount with Vince, significant amount with scheduling our live events uh, and on many other things. Production is not my area of expertise and the folks who run it, it is their area of expertise. So I don't give them notes on it. It all looks great to me. They always hit their numbers and we're good to go. But all the other items you mentioned, a good portion of the day spent on that. Let's say um, I, I was always struck. I've when I, and I'll be there Saturday, I'm, I'm always struck by, um, the ability to have this production. It's live. Um, and then it's over. And I mean, the stuff is on trucks in 90 minutes. Do you ever worry about with wrestlers? Cause they're such performers. Um, like a deep bench. Do you think in terms of that? Cause you've, a- I feel like you've asked a little more of your stars, which is smart business. Sure. Right. LeBron in his prime, we need to play 78 games. Is developing a bench, how valuable is that to the WWE? Hugely valuable. A few years ago, certainly prior to me getting there, I think what Triple H and Vince and others decided was, hey, instead of just mining the independent wrestling scene, let's create our own developmental system, which is called NXT. Yeah, we've talked about this. Yes, NXT Tuesday nights on USA uh, very interesting programming. A lot of our current main roster, Raw and SmackDown superstars, came from NXT. Um, so that's been extremely valuable for us because for our folks, like any other sport, you have to practice enough before you get great. You have to practice in front of an audience too. That's what matters. It's not simply, and I'm not suggesting this is a simple task, it's not simply throwing a football 30 yards down the oh, field. Right. It's being able to do it in front of 100,000 people. The same for NFL players. You can do it in the park. There's a lot of good street ballers in basketball, but put them in prime time, put them on a team where there's rules. It's a lot tougher. What's your team like that finds the people 
discovers the people. You and Vince obviously have a great say in the end. Sure. There's a certain it quality. Again, presence, looks. What would be the process from we think we found somebody interesting to he actually is on an event? So first we shifted our recruiting a couple of years ago and really have gone after college athletic programs. Yeah. And the thought behind that was, if you look at Roman Reigns, he played football at Georgia Tech, didn't make it to the NFL. If you look at another guy, we have Big E, played football yep. at Iowa, yep. didn't make it to the NFL. If you look at The Rock, played football, Miami. obviously, University of Miami. Warren Sapp comes in after him, takes his spot. Rock ends up in the Canadian Football League, you know, hoping he can figure it out. And at the end of the day, it didn't work for him in that right. venue. So he came into ours. So it's not just male athletes that we're after. It's the female athletes also at all these athletic programs. If you're the great sledgehammer thrower at the University of Alabama yeah. and you're thinking, okay, do I go get an office job? Do I go work for UPS? No, come work with us. Like we have an opportunity. So once they're in our system, then it comes down to every other job. This, your brain, this, your heart, and certainly for us, your physical and athletic ability. And if we see it, and it is always hard to describe, as you know. What gives you it? It's hard to describe. Right. You get a good look. You put in the work. You know, you're, you don't take yourself too seriously. Even the Colin was right. Colin was wrong. I hadn't seen anyone else do that. Right. It's brilliant rather than simply sitting there and saying, I'm right, I'm right, I'm right, I'm right. So for us, it's once they get in the ring, once they're in front of an audience, can they do it? You know it when you see it. I remember when the NFL didn't have a team in Los Angeles forever, which is just crazy. Crazy. And it shows you the power of the league when you have teams in Green Bay and Buffalo and none in Los Angeles. Every franchise, Subway, Pizza Hut. This isn't a hoagie town. You're going to be sure. represented. So to me, it seems so natural. WrestleMania should be in Los Angeles a lot. Um, that's the obvious one. What goes into deciding your biggest matches of the year? Who makes the decision and why do you choose venues? So just quickly on the LA not having a football team for so many years, part of me believes that because the NFL is such a New York based company that, and you know this drill, you lived in the Northeast. Right. The West Coast is looked at differently <laughs> by the Northeast. It is. So even when I started at WWE and we had the return of live fans, we scheduled a show that you attended at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. Yep. Some of the folks who at work at WWE with me said, you know, historically we haven't done great in Vegas. And I said, having been born there, I'm not saying it makes me the expert, but having been born there, lived there for so many years, I said, look, let me lay out a couple things. I said, number one, there's no one in the history of humankind who has said to themselves, let's go to Vegas for a Monday so we can see Monday Night Raw. There's also no one who said, let's go to Vegas on a Friday, make sure we land by two o'clock local so we can be in our seats by five o'clock local for SmackDown, which ends at 7 p.m. I said, also, you don't want to, we don't want to go up and compete against football. So forget Sundays. We don't want to compete against the sports book on Saturdays. So if you go during football season, you have, I get it's not free entertainment, but you make a $20 bet, you can hang out in the sports book. Let's not compete against that. But if we go in August when there is no NFL, when there is no college football, when there's not a lot of action in the sports book, post NBA finals, regular season baseball, maybe we'll have a shot. Lo and behold, I think we did 60,000 tickets. Yeah. You were there, it was a big event. Oh, it was great. So all of that goes into the equation of where do we want to be when? Los Angeles this coming weekend at SoFi is intentional. 
It's our media rights deals are up in October of 24 in the United States. The right of first negotiation with both of our incumbent partners, who we love, Fox and NBCU, will obviously want to hear every conversation with them first. But other folks will be attending because it's easy to go to SoFi if you live in L.A. It's a five o'clock start time, West Coast start time. As you know, there's three things that the West Coast undisputably destroys the East Coast in. Three things. Weather. Weather. It's not even close. <laughs> Sushi. Not even close. Start and end time of sporting events. Yeah. Not even close. So we're going to have a lot of good folks there this Saturday and Sunday. And uh, they get to check out our product in person. Always a far easier sell for us if you've seen our stuff live. When you seek either incumbents or new partners, what will be the two most important factors? Do they give us the latitude to grow our product? Do they realize in a 52-week-a-year season, year-round, sometimes you're going to go down a little bit. A lot of times you're going to go up. These things ebb and flow. And are they actual partners rather than just cutting us a check? Check's great. But eventually, as you know, with any partner, you have, there's going to be bumps in the road. Right. So you've got to have someone there who's on your side. I think that's the most overused term in business right now is we want to be a good partner. We want to be a good partner. Don't tell me. Just be a good partner. But you don't need to tell me you're going to be a good partner. So that's what we look for. So we have traditional media, which I'm part of, sure. like a premier radio and a Fox. And then you have, um, you know, the Amazons of the world. Um, also, in terms of like capitalization, you know, we grew up in a domestic world. Now it's all global. Totally. Money comes from everywhere. Could I argue there's value in getting a company overseas. You already have a bedrock. You have your business domestically. That's not an issue. Could I argue there are advantages to having somebody abroad ever buy or be your primary partner? Potentially. Look, let's talk about primary partner. So it's a heck of a lot easier to do a deal with an entity that's in 180 countries than to go to 180 countries and do 180 okay. separate deals, especially forget the easy countries. United Kingdom, Australia, Sub-Saharan Africa. We have relationships there. We know what to do. I don't know how to do a deal in Finland. Like That's not my area of expertise. Right. So even our international team, which is strong, do they really know in Paraguay what the best outlet is for right. our product? You end up taking the highest money deal, which can sometimes hurt the product. Right. right. Certain countries, you don't want to be behind a paywall. It won't work. Even if you look at the last uh, cricket negotiations in India, the folks who got the digital rights, which was Viacom, Reliance, and James Murdoch, they're basically offering it for free on an AVOD saying, we, we understand the culture in India, people are not going to pay for this. So we'll have it ad supported. We'll make our money that way. We'll get the biggest audience possible. Looking to get more out of the NBA season? Well, now's the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's free bets back if your first bet doesn't win. The promo code is always Colin. FanDuel has tons of betting options. I like the same game parlay. Bet a little, win a lot. FanDuel's app is safe, secure, easy to use, and you get paid your winnings really fast. The no-sweat first bet up to 1000 bucks. Promo code Colin. Make every moment more this season with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 
21 plus in select states. FanDuel's offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG. Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Virginia. 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342, Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit org slash chat, Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT, Indiana. 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com, Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP, Louisiana. Call one 800 327 or visit www.ma underscore helpline.org slash problem gambling. Visit www.mdgamblinghelp.org, Maryland. 1-877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text HOPE-NEW-YORK 467-369-NEW-YORK. 1-800-522-4700, Wyoming or visit www.1800gambler.net, West Virginia. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. How do you view the paywall? As an individual performer, I always felt in my business the first 25 years is to build an audience. And then like Howard Stern, that becomes less relevant and monetizing when you get into your 50s and up monetize it if you lose some audience but monetize it to a much higher level that's always as an individual felt like the right play al michaels we know who he is who's writing the check now yep does it work that way for a business that your brand is established you have a wildly loyal young and growing audience where is that line check monetization um growth i mean how do you view that how does vince 
view it. By, by the way, it's a dangerous line in our business, and I'll, I'll tell you why. If you go back, this is going back a long way, but if you go back to the 60s, where boxing was one of the top three sports, let's say, before the NBA became the NBA, before Bird Magic, when it was still pre-Steelers NFL, before Montana came in, and boxing was Ali and right. Sugar Ray and all these guys. One of the unfortunate things that happened to boxing is they went behind the paywall for almost everything. Right. So they went to HBO when HBO offered more money, when very few people had HBO, so fewer eyeballs on their product, especially with kids. If your parents didn't subscribe to HBO, you weren't watching the fights. And those were rich parents. Those were rich parents, right? Cable was not prevalent, and certainly premium cable was not prevalent. So you have to actually have money back then to watch a product that should be available to the masses. So if you look at the steady decline of boxing, that's one of the big factors. Then pay-per-view was figured out and boxing said, oh, instead of just being on HBO for whatever HBO was charging in 1992, 10 bucks a month, 20 bucks a month, we can charge $50 an event, $70 an event. We'll make more money in one night, sure, but with no reinvestment in the sport, what are you going to be in 20 years? And if you look at boxing now and you say, wow, they could do a heck of a lot better job. Or if you look how great of a job UFC did, how great of a job Vince and WWE did, it was always to make sure that the product was available to the masses. Smart to me. Who's your rival? I don't, I don't know that we have one. It's, I, there's two answers in my mind to that question, Colin. Either we, we don't have one or everyone is our rival. What I think about often is people, even our age, are on their phones at night on TikTok, so watching free content, watching free content. They're texting their friends. They're messaging their friends. We have to make sure our product is exciting enough, not just to get you into the venue, but to make sure you watch at home. So if there are other opportunities on your phone that are better, we're dead. If we continue to have a strong product that resonates with the fans, we're in great shape. How many people now at WWE, how many do you employ? About a thousand. Altogether. How many on the creative side? 50 to 75. These are writers? Writers, producers, meaning the writers obviously write the content. The producers help to execute on the content. With our superstars, our wrestlers, which we call superstars, the producers and the writers will work with the superstars to make sure that the matches and the interviews go off the way that's intended. How far ahead, for instance, would you begin the process of WrestleMania? months in advance, months, months, months in advance. If you said now, where's the creative team with their process? They're months ahead of WrestleMania. Obviously a huge focus on Saturday and Sunday to make sure we can execute what the plan is, but they're months ahead and uh, they know that's the way it should be because again, 52 weeks a year, three to four programs a week. If you're not months ahead, you're gonna get caught. I always thought you had a certain dexterity. You were very nimble on bad days. I haven't had a lot. I think we both had really nice lives, but um, especially the Vegas years. <laughs> Those were lean years for you. Thank and God me. they were brief. Yeah. Um, I always thought you were really good in, in, in chaos. Uh, again, as somebody from the outside, Vince leaves, Vince comes back. That may be viewed by some as chaotic. Was it in the building? No, not, not from my point of view. Number one, he's a controlling shareholder. He's the founder of the company. It's his right to come back. And he graciously says, hey, it's our company. Factually, it's his company. And I have the good fortune of working there and working with him. So if he decided he wanted to come back, that's the way it was going to be. And for me, in terms of chaos and looking at it, 
I, I sort of, I had a law school professor who said this to me. I was looking at two different law firms when I was a second year student or something like that. And I said, you know, it's a hard decision. And he said, hard decision? He said, a hard decision is if you got 20 bucks and you don't know whether you should buy groceries for your kids or keep your lights on. Right. That's a hard decision. He's yeah. like, this is easy. So to me, even when I was an agent, I always wanted to talk straight to my clients, yeah. straight to my colleagues. What was the worst that could happen? Client fires you? I prefer not to be fired, but okay, I can deal with that. You're like, oh, it's embarrassing. Not embarrassing to me. That's the ups and downs of life. What's the other bad thing that can happen? Oh, the agency fires you? That's not my preference. Fortunately, CA never fired me. Right. Uh, and they were great to me. But so what if that happened? So people are like, oh, that guy got fired. I don't care about that sort of thing. So when chaos comes around, I like to try to stay calm in it and figure out what's our path out of the chaos. What would surprise me about Vince? Obviously smart, driven, passionate. What would surprise me? He can be an introvert in uh, private settings. He does not dominate a room, especially with people he doesn't know. He's a really good listener. And the rule of thumb with Vince is you can say anything you want as long as it's said in a respectful way and in private. And if you think about it, those are kind of your rules and my rules. In private conversations that you and I had had about your career, yeah. I would not say those in front of a group of other right. people. Maybe you in front of Anne, other close confidants, but that's your business. Right. So if I had a different point of view than you, we'd talk it through in private. So it's all a stylistic thing. Uh, he's also extremely generous and has financially helped. He won't say it. He doesn't like to take credit for that, but has financially helped a lot of people, uh, which, you know, not that many people know about, but I've seen that side. It's a very sweet side. Does he still, you know, they used to say the late great Bill Russell threw up before every game, which is hard to fathom. Um, but that was the kind of anxiety. He viewed it as a real positive. Like when I stop being nervous, Steph Curry's talked about this. There sure. is an anxiety, even as the best shooter in the world. What's Vince like on WrestleMania night? He definitely not the throw up guy, but definitely the, we got to be laser focused here. So WrestleMania night going into the show, that's not the night to be cracking jokes. Right. And anybody who wants to do that, if you're going into a quarterback Super Bowl game, want to go crack jokes with the quarterback, give him space, let him breathe. If he wants you to come around and say, hey, let's crack some jokes, you come around and crack some jokes. But it's not that sort of anxiety with him. He doesn't operate that way. Yeah. He's such an iconic figure. I wonder if um, part of what made this whole thing work and continues to work is that Vince still works out. He understands the life, um, the physicality of the wrestler. When I look at Vince, it's such a f Dana White, by the way, similarly. Totally. You know, Vince to me, I feel like he's an athlete to this day. Is he? He is. And look, I think even think about your own life. From my point of view, you've never been a big drinker. No. I'm not. Maybe when you were 20. Well, last night, Ann and I went out. That's different. <laughs> That's different. You're with your wife. You're having right, a right. good night. That's different. I'm talking about in business settings or this, that. Right. Part of why I've never seen you be a big drinker, you gotta work the next day. Right. And you gotta have the goods. And in our business, collective business, you gotta earn your keep every day. So the, hey, I'm tired, I can't do it today. Okay, maybe you can have one day like that. But if you have a week like that, you have a month like that, you're gonna have a problem. I think it's the same way with the Vince's of the world, with the Dana's of the world. They gotta go every day. So whatever they need to keep themselves fresh, and clear-headed, 
is what they're going to do. There's never been a moment since I've known the guy, Vince or Dana, where I've ever spoken to either one and they're like, ah, I'm just tired. I'm feeling a little down today. Never. It's the same opening of a phone call with each of them. Hey, how you doing? Good. How you doing? You have time to talk business? Yep. Boom. We talk business. There's never, ah, you know, my kid is going, everyone has their problems. And you know this drill. If you really want to get ahead, you got to understand no one really gives a fuck about other people's problems. <laughs> We've talked about this before. Like, yeah. oh, calling my flights delayed. You know, it's another out. Just call me when you land, man. Like, I, I don't know what to tell you. Like, we all got problems. You mean I shouldn't rush to Twitter and complain about Delta? People do that. <laughs> all right? day. They do it all day. And I get it. They're trying to get Delta's attention. I get it. It's frustrating yeah. when you fly and things are late. No one gives a fuck. It's sort of like, you know, in the middle of the night, if you've ever stubbed your toe on your bed. Right. You tell the person the next day, you should see my toe. No one, no one gives a shit. <laughs> and I don't mean about serious things in life. Yeah. If a friend's really sick or whatever, of course, you care about that. But when someone's like, oh, I have the flu, like, okay, take some Theraflu, call me in three days, man. Like, we got to move here. Vince is that way. Dana's that way. Uh, John Cena, Charlotte Flair, uh, obviously uh, Brock Lesnar. Yes. Who, again, is such a unique physical presence. Um, does, finally, does how the audience reacts, not just ratings, but do you watch how the audience reacts to your wrestlers? Can yes. that elevate or puncture a career? Well, to, to us, that makes or breaks our performers. So if the audience is into someone, even if us folks in the back of the house haven't seen it, we're gonna give that person a push. If we think someone's a big star and the audience, now we'll stick with it for a while. It, early on with Roman Reigns, it wasn't working the way WWE thought it would work. They stuck with it. They stuck with it. They stuck with it. Finally, when he went heel, again, the villain character, it worked like wildfire. And you hear the audience's reaction to him. The head of the table, they acknowledge me, whatever you know it is that he's saying, they react no matter what. Someone once told me, they said, you know what the opposite of love is? And I said, I don't know, hate? And they said, no, apathy. They said, love and hate are close cousins there. Right, right. So if you love our performers, that works. If you hate our performers, that works. If you don't care about them. Indifference is the killer. The killer. That's the killer. Make sure to check out the Draymond Green Show. I brought Draymond Green into the volume because one of the more entertaining voices in sports, unique perspective, understands behind the rope, also chops up with guests like Gary Payton, Zach Levine, Tracy McGrady. Make sure download the Draymond Green Show wherever you get your podcasts, only on the Volume Podcast Network. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers.
The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening.